Hey everyone, I'm Sarah James, a beauty blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about two women trying to tackle better self-care. We are both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet we find it elusive. And while we may have all the info we need, we don't always get there. From the silly to the serious, we are taking a vulnerable yet humorous look at body, mind, and spirit and maybe a touch of the random, all while looking at the distractions and defenses that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well, today we are going to be chatting with Rebecca Lyons about her new book. It is called Rhythms of Renewal. It is literally a book about self-care routines and rituals. Um, I found our conversation to be so relevant um, in terms of just finding those disciplines. Um, She talked about the fact that she feels like a lot of us are in the throes of a collective panic attack, which really resonated with me. So um, that is coming up. But first, I'm going to do a quick self-care check-in with Claire. Hey, Claire. Hi, guys. All right. Well, um, I want to talk about a little self-care aspect that I have been practicing. So you know that I'm an Enneagram 3. Yeah. And then second to my Enneagram 3, I'm also very high on 7, which means I really like to organize things and I really like to have fun. Yes. And the result of that is, is it fun or will this be exciting or will this be productive those are the questions that are often guiding my decisions, right? Yeah. So I get an invitation to something. I have an idea. I, you know. Or, you, or you're throwing the party. Sure. Someone wants me to do something. Mm-hmm. And my first thought is, you know, is this productive or will this be fun? And then the result is my answer is usually yes. And then I find myself completely overbooked. Always. I mean, like, case in point, right now I am promoting an event for someone else. I'm doing another event for someone else, you know, because I like these events and they're going to be fun. And You have no extra time right now yet. Like, in our group chat with friends, you created an invitation. I might have done that today. For a party a month from now. That's correct. I did that today. Yeah. (laughs) So, what I am trying, a new discipline I'm trying, is rather than asking myself those questions before I say yes... The question I'm asking myself is, will this be stressful? Mm. And it's really hard because that's not that's not my guiding principle. And it's I know not natural. For no, you. and there are you know it's interesting. I mean, there are some other enneagram numbers where that would be a little more natural, like an enneagram nine or an enneagram six. Those would be the questions they'd ask when they have better self care than I do. You know, is this going to be stressful? No, that sounds stressful. I'm not going to do it. Where, you know, I mean, I traveled twice last month, right after my surgery. surgery to, to two things I really wanted to do, but they were incredibly stressful. Also while having the book on. Also yeah. in the middle of book deadline. Right. So this is a new practice that I'm trying of asking myself, is it stressful? Which might sound remedial to some people, but for me is very difficult. What does stressful mean to you though? Um, well, is, am I going to be more tired for having done it? Mm-hmm. Um, is is are the tasks that I have to do going to be pushed off that and then I'm, am I going to come home to you know a mess both metaphorical and literal Will you be able to delegate right yeah uh-huh um yeah and it's it's funny I had a friend who used to have this saying and I'm not sure if it was hers or if she heard it from somewhere else but my friend Maggie Mason used to say you can either have an interesting life or a happy life <laughs> and I don't think that's necessarily, you know, 
all the way true. It's not a duality. But I do think there is something to me clamoring for interesting. Yes. And foregoing contentment. And also because you are, like, we call you the, the events coordinator. Yes. Or, like, you know. For sure. I'm the cruise director. I sometimes wonder, are you enjoying the fun you planned? Yes. And sometimes I am. Okay. And a lot of times I'm not. A lot of times I'm stressed. So maybe that is the stress. Yeah. That. Yeah. You need yeah. to ask yourself about. It's totally. interesting because I'm a two in, in, on the Enneagram scale, a uh, two, but then my next ones are three and seven. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, we're actually very similar. Very similar. And it's yeah. interesting to me sometimes when I think about like something being fun versus stressful, I always say yes. So like that's my yeah. default is always yes. Yeah. And so I've kind of had to do the same thing. I maybe didn't use the word stressful, but it's, is it going to be too much? Yes. And so I've been really practicing saying no instead, making my default the no instead of the yes, because I can always go back and change it. Well, you and I are both serial overcommitters. Oh my God. I, we are, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Prime suspect one and two right here. We both overcommit all the time. I mean, a great example is our kids just left an elementary school, mm-hmm. which we were very involved in the drama program. Very. Stage mom, like peak stage to mom. To the max. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I have a tragic comedy tram stamp to prove it. Okay, guys? She does. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> our does. olders are now, or some of our older kids are at a middle school. And it's like, we have no time for this. No. We shouldn't be as involved as we are. No. But I mean, like, we just like shoved everything to the side and we just got right into it. Oh, yeah. We're going to. We're, we're going to commit. We're going <laughs> to. Totally. I'm going to take over. Plus, I'm still hyper-involved at the elementary school. So oh, yeah. That's fun. Yeah. So, anyway, I don't know. That's what I'm working on. How about you? Uh, I kind of want to touch on something we talked about in a past episode. And I, I have to thank the group, uh, the Facebook group, again. A few weeks ago, I talked about Which difficult- is where you really go for all of your problems. We were just talking about this. Claire had a dog throw up today. And rather than taking the dog to the vet, she's like, I'm just going to ask the selfie group. Yeah. <laughs> And I will probably just wait until I get the answer I'd like to make my decision. Like to the whoever says you take them to the ER, uh-huh. I'm blocking you. No, ignore that person. Yeah. That person's reactionary. Yeah. Way, way too. <laughs> that is a stressful person. Yeah. Um, but a few weeks ago, we talked about, or I talked about, a difficult parent relationship I had where um, I really had to set some boundaries. Yeah. And part of t- ha- talking about it was me setting the boundary. It was, you know, talking about it here made me, um, like it really forced me to be honest with myself mm-hmm. and then to maintain the boundaries I'd set in place. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people reached out to me in this group mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. talked about their own relationships. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, just offered support. And because as soon as we filmed or we recorded that episode, I immediately felt regret mm. because I was talking about something so personal. Uh-huh. You had some Shara's remorse. Yes. Yeah. And I, again, like I, I also have ADD my whole life. I've just been an overshare. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm really working on it, guys. <laughs> but I really felt like I, I replayed the, the whole conversation in my head. Like this is my family. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I betrayed the relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, long story short, I so appreciate the people that reached out because it it meant a tremendous amount to me. Mm. And it really, it, it affirmed that talking about it is the right thing to do. Good. And not, yeah. you know, hiding well, yeah. these damaging relationships and making everything look good on the outside. But I mean, the irony of you feeling that Cher's remorse and the shame of sharing is that is what toxic parents teach us to do. Absolutely. To hide, to play, mm-hmm. to pretend. I mean, and immediately, I mean, I'm not kidding you, within like half an hour to 45 minutes, mm. 
I was like, I wonder if I should call him. Like, is he okay? Mm. I mean, talk about codependency. Like, yeah. relax. I know. But talking more about, like, how that's going, um, I still haven't had any contact. The holidays are coming up, so mm-hmm. I am feeling a little bit anxious about yeah, that. sure. And I think I'm just going to keep talking about it. Yeah. And keeping it, you know, in the conversation, not just here, but in my own personal life. I think the more I talk about it, the better it is. I think that's good. On an exciting note, mm-hmm. I have set a goal for myself. Another thing that I have talked about in the podcast or on the in the Facebook group is I've decided I'm going to learn to snowboard this uh, winter. I love it. And I posted something about this in the group. And, you know, it was divided. <laughs> half, half of you were very supportive. Uh-huh. The other half, not so much. A lot of, you're going to break a something, you're yes. going to hurt a knee. But I think it was also they were talking from personal experience. Sure. So I appreciate that. Yeah. But I've, I've made the commitment to myself and to my son wow. that we are going to be going to Big Bear and Mammoth this winter, and we're going wow. to learn together. Okay, that's intense. Yeah. Good for you. And I'm a little a little nervous about it. Yeah. But I think it's going to be okay. I already have an outfit, so that's... Well, I mean, that's step one. Yeah. I feel like you're mostly doing this for the outfits. You guys, the selfies are going to be so cute. What I hear you saying is you went to a Volcom sample sale. I did. You got a snowboarder jacket, and that's really driving this whole thing. So it's a little bit purple. No, I knew it. I almost <laughs> got the leopard one, but I oh, I wow. refrained. I have, and I'm regretting that now. Okay. I feel like I'd vote leopard over purple. I just felt like it's more of a plum. Okay. And okay. I felt like it was just, it's going to get me through a few seasons. We okay. don't know what Leopard's going to do next year. We don't. So. We don't know where animal prints are going. Exactly. All right. Well, what do you have for two thumbs up? Okay. I am a Ray-Ban. Like, I have been loyal to Ray-Ban since I could afford my first pair of Ray-Bans. Yeah, me too. I went, you know, the Wayfarers. I did yep. the Aviators. Same. I And I just kind of feel like I've come to a point in my life where Ray-Ban and I just need a break. Yeah. And I bought the cheapy ones, you know, the Swap Me or whatever. Oh, sure. And they're just crappy. Yeah. So I've been on this mission. I was actually, like, coveting yours on our um, holiday in August. What uh, was I wearing? Ray-Bans. Oh, But yeah. they were, like, a different style. Mm-hmm. I found a new brand that I'm obsessed with. It's, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, Rain? R-A-E-N. Yeah, Rain. And They're so cute. I love them. I absolutely love them. I splurged. They were $135. I don't typically, you know, like, make a big purchase like that for myself very often. But I am obsessed with them. And I... I I won't shut up about them either. Like, we were at a friend's birthday, and I was just showing everybody. Well, they're really pretty. You're going to have to post a photo in the selfie group. And you also got them at Seed Market, which is our local store that's very, like, fair trade. So I don't know what the secret is about these, but I'm guessing they're, like, ethically made. I think everything in their store has that kind of story. It does. Yeah. They are you can feel good about. A really pretty color, too. I will Mm -hmm. post them in the group. It's a honey color. Mm -hmm. And they're just... I... Like lighter than a tortoiseshell. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like a mustard, but yeah. a little bit lighter. They come in a super cute case. Just, I feel like most of the people who listen or are in that group yes. are going to agree they're adorable. I agree. <laughs> I think that's fair. And my second thumbs up, I um, wasn't going to talk about my kids this time, but they come up every time. I have a really smelly, like, sons issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yes, I have sons I. raging from uh, ra- 10 to 17. Mm-hmm. They both play sports, mm-hmm. and they shower every day. We do all the things. I have found the holy grail of soaps to knock out the stink. Okay. And it's like a simple thing that everybody already knows about, the Dr. Bronner's Bar Soap Peppermint. Dr. Bronner's is awesome. The bar soap specifically? Yeah. I am obsessed with it. Yeah, it's great. It's literally the only thing that makes my kids smell good. See, what's funny is I use the Dr. Bronner's um, body wash. It, yeah, yeah, same thing. Which, which isn't is a, exactly a body wash. Like, you, you, you can use it on anything. Yeah. And pets. Let me tell you, though, something. 
I like the peppermint, but have you tried <laughs> the eucalyptus? No, but speaking about the peppermint, I did not warn my son that peppermint sometimes has a very cooling effect. Ooh, on the pee hole. Yes. You don't want to get it right there. Yes, which I would imagine the eucalyptus might also have the same effect. Well, I don't use it on the, you know, tender spots. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I just said tender spots. I've literally <laughs> never referred to my vagina as a tender spot, but I just did. We're going to make it a thing. But um, I love Dr. Bronner's forever and ever, and I always use peppermint, but I just finally got the eucalyptus and it smells like a spa. Oh, really? Oh, it's so nice. I smelled the bar soap at the store because uh-huh. I bought a few more. But you know how sometimes when they're so close to each other, they, they take get the, on the yeah, smells of other things? Smell. So I was overwhelmed. Well, and what I did with the body wash, which is not body wash. It's like they're all in Castile one Castile soap. It's yes. Castile soap. Yeah. Is I took um, a pump out of a shampoo bottle that nice. happened to fit in there. Ooh. And so now I can pump it. Like a body wash is so nice. I Speaking of the pumps, mm-hmm. I am all about the pump. Oh, me too. I will sometimes not buy things if it doesn't have a pump. No, you just, you can buy pumps, first of all, on Amazon. Oh. Just about every conditioner and shampoo has a universal size. Like, why would I ever top. pick up a bottle with my sudsy hand no, when I terrible. can just pump it? Yeah. No, you just need to buy a few extra. And then if they ha- if they come with one, I keep it. So I just have like a drawer of old pumps and I put them onto everything. Teach me your ways. I need to do well, that with I everything. I didn't realize that everything really is kind of the same size when you... Really? Yeah. Like shampoo right. and conditioner. But um, the one that... The the pump that I put on my Dr. Bronner's was off of a Chi shampoo. So do you have like a like, big Bronner's? Like the big, yeah, the big, big one? Yeah, big one. Okay. The yeah, that one. would make sense. Yeah. And it fit. Um, what are your uh, two thumbs up? Okay. So I have a new mask. I love masks. My daughter and I are big maskers. So this India one, and her 12 step <laughs> face routine. Seriously. This one is the Skin Saint Detox Mask. Ooh. And it is really nice. It's one of those where you can really feel it working and you kind of, rather than setting a timer, you just kind of have to go by the feel. It's like tingly. <laughs> yes. Nice. Um, but it's really nice. Like, I feel like that's the one that I put on when like, you know, things have just gone awry. <laughs> like you've just flown you know, for a few days. Is it like or... an exfoliating mask? Like you're feeling like stuff's coming off? Yes. Okay. Yeah. For, it's detox. Yeah. Nice. So that one's really nice. And then, okay, I just got Jafta a new mattress. So he is playing football. His body is being beaten. And um, so I learned about this mattress. It's called Sleep Envy. And they made it specifically for athletes. It's supposed to be restorative and healing. Oh, wow. Um, it's, it's got like this cooling technology it's really soft. Um, it's kind of like a memory foam, but it's one of those like bed in a box mattresses. Oh, I love so that. It showed up in a box. You just roll it out. And then you roll it out and you're thinking, you're looking at it thinking like, oh, this is really thin. And then all of a sudden it like, it, like grows to half its size. Um, but I'm really liking that one. Nice. Especially, you know, if you have kids who are athletes and they, I mean, he was sleeping on like a t- teeny tiny thin. And he skates. And so he he's skates. just like, his body's taking a beating every day. Oh, I mean, well, he's walking around with a broken thun- thumb as we speak. I know. <laughs> he's always bruised. He always is missing skin off of his elbow. Skate life, right? It's just it's totally. Skate life. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I at least he has a mattress that... <laughs> I love you. Sleep on this mattress I got for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, we are ready to chat with Rebecca Lyons. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be with you guys. So, Rebecca, this is your third book, but let's back up a little bit. You and I, I wanted to talk about how we met because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I want to say that you and I met on a trip to the Holy Lands. I think you're right. I think it was 2015, maybe? You're absolutely right. We went on a trip with Telos to Israel. That was a beautiful week. It was. It was. And it's funny because I've actually had a couple other folks that were on that trip on the podcast. I had um, Lisa Gunger on 
and Nish has been on. So it's yeah. funny how those things come full circle. I know. It's like, when can you ever get 30 riders from the other side of the world to all go to Israel together? I know. <laughs> it was such a great, just a great collaborative week. I, I, I learned a lot. It was. It really was. Well, okay. For those of our listeners who aren't familiar with you, this is your third book. Yes. And talk about your first two before we dive into the third. Sure. So my first one is called Free Fall to Fly, and it chronicles my crash and burn moving to New York City, moving to Manhattan from the suburbs of the South back nine years ago in 2010. And that really actually launched my writing. I never even thought I'd be a writer and or a teacher or a speaker or anything. I just, I basically walked through one of the hardest seasons of my life and coming out of that into a healing journey, it started to like unfold in, in words and writing. And so my first book really chronicled that and, and then where that took me around this topic of mental health, emotional health, um, what to do with it, how to engage it. And so that just turned into a, a second book, which is called You Are Free, Be Who You Already Are. And it's really about waking to the freedom we have. I just started to share that a little bit. And then what I would often meet was people on the road who would just say, I'm struggling with anxiety, or I'm struggling with depression, I'm struggling with panic disorder, whatever those things are. And I could, I could obviously relate with everything. And it was more about their journey. They were like, but still, what are some actionable, practical steps I can take that would help me live this out, help me walk this journey out? And so that's really, this is like, I hope the end of my anxiety trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> the anxiety um, trilogy. I oh love my it. I've never thought this would be my thing, but it's just, is really, you, you write from where you are. And, you do. And so um, my husband was joking. He's like, okay, this is your, like your field guide or your manifesto. And then, and then you're going to move on from this um, <laughs> trilogy. Then you're totally, of, of course, you'll be totally healed. <laughs> Completely. You'll have no more anxiety, of course. The funniest thing is that the renewal or this rhythm piece is like the caveat, which is true for everything in life, is we never arrive. It's, that's, it's ra- this, that's right. This journey of health. And yes. so now I'm finally to where like um, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be doing these rhythms so that I can sustain long-term emotional, spiritual, and relational health. Yep. And um, so if you see me in five years or 10 years or 50, who knows how long I have, um, I, I'm going to be doing these rhythms because I never arrive. This is actually a daily cadence. It's a boundary and a framework that keeps me whole. And that's, that's, that's my plan and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Well, and I really, I appreciate that so much because I'm someone who struggles with anxiety and I struggle with day-to-day anxiety. And then I struggle with clinical anxiety, which is, you know, more of a brain chemistry issue. But I really appreciate the fact that you are not saying like, there's, there's an end, you know, that there's a, there's a place of arrival where we will just, this will all magically disappear. That this is really a lot of this is about, I mean, that's the name of your book, Rhythms of Renewal. Exactly. Exactly. I appreciate that. Everyone wakes up with their own set of hard, yeah. you know, um, no story looks the same. Yeah. So with that, that means then what? Okay. Knowing, you know, I, we have four children, two with special needs, one through adoption. Every single day has its own version of a challenge, but that's not going to stop me from living. Well, your book talks about the fact that we are in the throes of a collective panic attack. And that resonated so much for me. I was like, yes, 
We mm-hmm. are. Talk to me yeah. about that. Well, it's we're in a society that's spinning out yeah. in chaos. In chaos, and Absolutely. you know, part of the puzzle for me that's an anchor is because I believe that God established a created order from the beginning, and it was in rhythm, right? So it's like day and night, sun and moon, seasons, waves on the on the beach. We've got spring and summer, fall and winter, like even creation in the universe, solar system, galaxies all operate in rhythm. We're in rhythm, you know, menstrual cycle, heartbeat, pulse, (laughs) breathing, all the things like if something gets out of rhythm in our bodies, we pay the price. It there's there's a framework there for a reason living in a way of rhythm. That's when flourishing can happen. And so it's partly me just going back to like, what are the old school ways before, you know, we became a digital age, you know, walking, walking, sleeping, talking to people, actually seeing them and making eye contact, forming a complete sentence, finishing a book, you know, it's just like, it seems so trivial and silly, but it's like, we have to get back to um, being fully human. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned this sort of digital age, and you have a chapter about it in your book. And this is something that we have talked about so much on the podcast is this, this age that we're living in where we're weirdly connected, and yet so disconnected. Right, right. We're talking to everyone, but connecting with no one. Right. Especially yeah. with these new studies of loneliness. I started a podcast three weeks ago and with my husband and it's Rhythms for Life. And the idea is just still around the content around these ideas of the rhythms in the book. And um, we were just real, just doing some of our own research on Gen Z and millennials and um, 46% report high feelings of loneliness and 27% report no close friends. Yeah. That's, that's intense. I mean, that's almost half. Yeah. Have high feelings of loneliness from ages zero to 38. That's like basically just younger than me and my kids and everyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's and then really loneliness sad. leads to depression. Like isolation sure. and loneliness leads to depression and keeps you there because you start to believe the lie that you're better off alone. No one is like you. Your life is worse than everyone else. No yep. one would understand. And so because you don't feel brave enough or feel permission to invite people in, you continue to spiral. Absolutely. And I know, I mean, it's true even for myself. I can I can look at a week and if I have spent that week behind the desk of a computer, you know, behind my my screen, if I have not gotten out into nature or had face-to-face with friends, I feel worse. Yeah. Yeah. Because your high capacity at create, like your create rhythm killed it that week. Right. But your rest and restore and connect suffered. Yeah. And so part of the point of the book is that these rhythms would live in balance. Like we all say like you can't have a balanced life. You can't have it all. Right. right. That's true. But you can have a rhythmic life uh-huh. that allows time for each one and all, also almost autocorrects itself. When you feel like one's really strong, that means something else is probably suffering a little bit. And so to take right. inventory again and autocorrect those things that need to be adjusted. I actually want to t- talk about this concept of taking inventory because you had four questions in the book that you ask yourself that I loved. Um, and I think they were what's right, what's wrong, what's confused, what's missing. Yeah. I love yeah. that. That's a SWOT analysis that my coach and life mentor from 20 years ago just continued to press Gabe and I to ask those questions. So we, we ask it like in a almost a life purpose 
like in the dynamics of our family and our home, we have three people in high school and one daughter in kindergarten. (laughs) So all of a sudden we're like, and we need to reevaluate, you know, it looks different every season. And so right now we're going, what's right, what's wrong, what's confused, what's missing. Because the more we ask that, the more we actually can get a hold of something before it becomes chronic. And then we have to do a lot more damage control and a lot more repair. So I encourage that annually, sometimes quarterly. Um, And especially if you're married, get with your spouse and have real honest conversations about it. If you're single, get with a best friend who's known you for several seasons and have an honest conversation about it. It's just real important to have accountability when you take inventory. Oh my gosh. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I do an annual, um, trip with about six other women who are very close friends. And those are those kinds of questions we really ask each other. And it's really difficult, but so meaningful Mm. to have other people in your life that will do that kind of digging for you. And having that history in those friendships, like they've seen you through a lot of things. They're going to have a a perspective that no one on social media is going to have. Right. Um, that's why that connect rhythm is so vital, right? Because you're fully known and fully loved. And if something's wrong or missing, they're okay sharing that. And you know, it's a trusted place. Absolutely. You know, we you talked about loneliness, and we're talking about friendships. And I know there's probably people who are listening who are saying, well, I don't have those friendships. And I've been in that place. I've absolutely been in that place in my life where I didn't have those close friends. You know, What advice would you give to people who are finding themselves in a season of not having that inner circle? Sure. And that's actually a question that comes up constantly. Um, I would just say there's probably people right in front of you that are feeling the exact same way. Uh, Whether it's someone at your kid's school, someone that you cross paths with at church or at the community center or at your work. Uh, you're not alone in feeling alone. <laughs> That's the thing. You actually actually have something That's in right. common with people more than you realize. And I would just say, I do think our phone and technology leads to more isolation and comparison. Uh-huh. So if you even considered like a week off, if you could afford it, if you're, I know work is directed is related to phones for a uh-huh. lot of people who are self-employed. So there might be boundaries with your team to help you kind of still keep your work going, but personally kind of unplug. Um, I think if you just made that conscious decision to go like, I'm, I, I want to see people that might be feeling like I'm feeling, I want to engage them, make an intention to notice other people. And you'll be surprised that being proactive by leading with some level of vulnerability or leading uh-huh. with like, hey, we someone's got to lead at some point in friendship. Someone's got to initiate. And so I write that chapter, be the friend you wish to have. Yeah. If we don't have the friend, then maybe we just start by being the one, being the one that we really want to have as a friend. And all of a sudden we'll be like, oh, because I moved to Nashville five years ago from New York City. And I came here thinking certain people would be my friends just people I known for a long time. Right. And I can tell you five years later, I'm still acquaintances with a lot of those people, but the people who I'm close to 
are people I would have never dreamed of or expected. And Uh they've had the most profound impact on my life. Absolutely. I I completely agree. And I totally agree with leading with vulnerability. That is absolutely how I built the friendships that I have was just Mm -hmm. being really vulnerable. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? Sometimes you throw that out and it fails. And that's okay too. Dead air. For sure. And I write that in that chapter. I was like, this one meal I overshared. And then I literally <laughs> felt naked and ran for the check and went oh, to the car. Boy. Like it was the worst. So it doesn't, but that was even in the chapter. I'm like, so here's some things I learned. Be careful what you share and with uh-huh. who you share. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm curious, you know, to, to hear your thoughts on, you know, in talking about this sort of collective panic attack or this collective overwhelm, do you think that some of this is specific to women or are harder for women? No, unfortunately, I actually am seeing the trend just as awful in men. Ah. Um, I have a friend who just did a camping trip with 15 guys. 13 of them were on anti-anxiety or yeah. antidepressants. Yeah. So I was like, that's interesting. And they're young. They're actually yes. really young. Yeah. Um, so I just think women are talking about it more because um, men feel this need to like internalize mm. and stuff it down and be the strong one. Uh-huh. Whereas we are verbal women so often are verbal processors, which is why in some ways we get healthier faster because we're actually <sighs> giving each other therapy all day long. Right. Um, and be, and we're having to reveal the things and expose the things that bring pain so that they, they can get out and they can have a chance at healing. So I just think it's more, I would have said a few years ago, it was more women. I don't believe that anymore. Um, in fact, I just watched this documentary, One Nation Under Stress on HBO, and it was just talking about these deaths of despair, where the lifespan of a white male is shortening through three reasons, whether it be um, alcoholism, so cirrhosis of the liver, or opioid addiction, or suicide. Yeah. And and so what that means is that men... Um, don't even know where to go because they're not used to actually inviting other people in to right. something that stays pretty hidden. So our healing and our health really does come from connection, uh-huh. from vulnerability, um, from telling someone. That's where it begins. Always. I believe that. I totally believe that. I mean, even if you look at the 12-step tradition, and I'm not in recovery, but I have many, many people that I respect who are. And you know, mm-hmm. the whole tenet of 12 steps is replacing an addiction with connection. Yeah, You know, it is that connection that heals us. I, right. I totally believe that. One of the things I want to talk to you about is you talk about rest. That has always been a really tough one for me, probably the biggest <laughs> challenge for me. I mean, I'm five days out from a surgery and I reorganized a closet yesterday. I just, I am Stop. the worst at <laughs> resting. I am in awe. Oh, but it's I mean, not even, you know what though? It's not even, this isn't even a humble brag. This is like, it's terrible, like a terrible self-care. I do a oh podcast about self-care and I'm the very worst at it. Like the but compulsion of organization. It That's is. It's not a bad one if you're going to have one. But. It's true. I mean, yes, I'm not like going to live under a bridge because of this addiction, but yeah, exactly. I, I might be, funny. I might, I might well, be stressed out. Can I just out. say that um, I was home for nine months with our adoption. We just adopted a little five-year-old uh-huh. and I brought her home in December. And so I benched myself professionally for nine months and I just now I'm starting to work again. Uh, the timing of the book could not be better because Joy just started kindergarten. <sighs> but but it came to a head in July when I was literally arguing with Gabe about what forks to place in what containers of the silverware drawer. Like yeah, we had one of the biggest right. fights of our marriage. <laughs> that feels right. About silverware placement. And he goes, you need to go back to work. <laughs> uh, totally. I was like, you think? 
do you know your Enneagram? Are you a are you a three? I'm a four with a three wing. Got it. So that makes I'm sense. very emotive and anal and like achievement oriented. <laughs> Ooh, fun. Fun combo. <laughs> See, I'm a delight. Really, I am. Uh, yeah, <laughs> How about I'm, a th- you? I'm a three. I'm a I'm okay. a strong three. I have a two wing, yeah. but the the three force is strong with me. Um, yeah. So yeah, what I mean, what suggestions are I it it sounds funny to talk about rest as a discipline, but I'm convinced it sort of is like what it is. What suggestions do you have for those of us who struggle with that discipline? Well, I think what the problem is we don't feel permission. We feel like it's indulgence and far be it from us to like get lazy, especially if you're type A, firstborn, achievement oriented, when your worth is attached to your latest accomplishment. Um, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) I've heard that. I've heard Uh, that from people. people. I wouldn't know personally, (laughs) but but that the problem with that is it's just this chronic cycle that enough is never enough. Like you never actually can celebrate anything because there's always more to be had. And I literally went to an acupuncturist this week because I not hadn't been sleeping great, which is ironic. He was laughing at my book title. (laughs) Um, but in a stressful season, like launch, I start to go, Oh, I, my mind won't quit between two and 4am. What's the problem? And then I literally laid out a pallet in my closet and started sleeping on the floor because I had to get out of my bed because bed needs to be a place where I'm asleep. And if I lay there awake too much, totally specialists say, get out because it's making your brain now think it's a place that you just hang out and and spiral in your thoughts. Uh, totally. So yeah. then I go sleep on the floor of my closet and I literally go into this guy and he's like, okay, for starters, this has now become such a muscle memory for you. And he goes, I'd say it started seven years ago. And I literally want to start sobbing crying because that's when I wrote my first book. And he goes, this has now become like deeply rooted in you that your mind never stops. And now your body is so fatigued. Yep. And so, but rest is the one thing it's why I crave it so much. Like it's, it's not my natural rhythm. Like people publicly would say, well, she looks like someone who operates and connect or create, but rest is the only rhythm for me that actually restores my soul and replenishes me from a secret like place from a quiet place. Yeah. And so I know that to be true. And it's why I care more about rest than any other one, because I don't think you can give what you haven't received. And if you keep going on these output rhythms, so the first two are rest and restore, those are input uh-huh. and connect and create our output. And I right. put them in that order for a reason. And I start with rest because it's the building, it's the foundation and the rest are building blocks on it. Like if you don't sleep last night at all, it doesn't matter what you eat for rest. It doesn't matter who you phoned today and connected with a friend and it doesn't matter what you did in your work because you literally didn't sleep. You did not give your body the fuel to keep going. So if you think about that metaphor in all of life, if we don't operate from a place of rest, not running to earn rest, but running from a posture of rest, that means we're settled in our soul. Like the day is done. What's done is done. The rest is there tomorrow where we really can release and let go. Then all of a sudden we're like, okay, I'm not carrying this chronic racing mind and stress and all that. And for me, it's just real important that my work, if my work is to continue, and I hope that it does, I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but if it is to continue, I can't be casual about rest anymore. Like we're just going to, you might have like the most deep, passionate desires to help the world. And it literally doesn't matter because your body's like, I'm tapped out. That's so true. I'm sorry. I cannot do it anymore. 
And so he told me that he, it, it was just like, your mind steals all the energy from your body because it gets first dibs. <laughs> oh, he says, man. you wake up, <laughs> he says, you wake up and your mind is, and this was fascinating. He looked at my tongue. This uh-huh. is extra information that you did not ask for. <laughs> He literally could tell that I was chronically fatigued from feeling my pulse and looking at my tongue. And he said, you see those ridges around your tongue? He said, your tongue is the only muscle we can see. Uh And even your tongue is slouched because it's so tired. Oh, my gosh. So it, like, rests against your teeth. I was like, okay. (sighs) Um, And he just said, um, your mind wakes up. It never stops. And Uh it wakes up and steals whatever reserves you have or now don't have. So your body just can never catch up. That is the truth. That is the truth. Yes. So, and then (laughs) let's be honest, racing thoughts are anxious thoughts. Oh, for sure. Racing thoughts. And I do believe that's why we are a collective panic attack is because we are a society of people who never stop our minds never stop. I completely agree with you on that. And so yeah. we are having more just physical illnesses, more cancer, more just we're not taking care. We don't even have energy to cook well or eat yeah. from a garden. We're just like, whatever, yeah. just give me something. And then we're surviving on sugar and caffeine and wine or whatever. And it's like you, your body is just going to completely just rebel because you were created with intention to have order. Yeah. And you you got to get a handle on this. Yeah. So, and then the systems shut down, you know, they do everything from your hormones to your gastrointestinal system. It, it yep. actually shuts down. And I, I do agree that the racing thoughts are at, are at the top. Yeah. Cause I guess he said, which was so funny to me, this sweet Jewish man was my, um, did my acupuncture. He's like, um, your mind just gets first dibs. It gets to tell everything else what to do. And I was like, man, I never thought of it like that. Like whatever reserves of energy, I'm taking it and the rest of you can just deal. Yeah. So that was an interesting way to look at it. And um, anyways, it was super helpful for me. Um, and well, I actually have slept through the night the last five nights since oh, then. Oh, that's good. I'm so yeah. glad. There is nothing yeah. worse than that insomnia cycle. Yeah. When sure. you just, you get into it. And like you said, then all of a sudden the bed is a cue for like, oh no, I'm going to stress out. Yeah. Right. When you're more happy to sleep on a wooden floor on a blanket, you're like, something's got to change. I know. <laughs> yeah. I've been sure. there. When I love something you said earlier, you said you refer to rest as fuel and I've never conceptualized it that way. And I sort of, that, that sort of hits some buttons for me as a three mm-hmm. of like, if I look at it as fuel, then I, then it's, then I have to prioritize it. Oh, for sure. Like if I can make it a part of what is moving everything forward. Yeah. It gives it momentum. Yeah. I mean, really it makes, it's almost like a trickle effect, right? We're we're working so hard to push our work life uphill. Uh And instead, if we pause that and go, no, actually I'm going to come around because you, you are your work, right? Like your work is an output and a tangible expression of your own personal health stamina, energy, mindfulness, thought, if that's not getting the first fruits of the morning or the day or like coming from a rested place, yeah, then everything else is compromised. No matter how it's hard so you true. work, it doesn't mean it's your best work. It doesn't mean it's, it's the most thoughtful or curated or, you know, it's just there. Yeah. And it's then, so it, and then our stuff becomes subpar and it's yeah. like white noise. And we're like, why haven't I had original thought? Oh, because I actually haven't taken a nap in eight years and totally. I don't 
I'm not learning or like when I took the tech detox, tech detox, I started sleeping again, dreaming again and learning again. Yeah. And that infused, that informed my writing of this book. I was like, I got to get away from what everybody else is doing. I don't, I don't want to know what everyone else is doing. I need to know what, what God is wanting to do in me. That's, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. I definitely know when, um, I have not had enough real life. I cannot write because there's nothing to pull from. There's no experience, emotion, rest, all of it. There's no humanity in me when when I'm just sitting down at a computer every day. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's hard. Well, you talk about play and creativity and adventure also as, you know, sort of um, ways that we can kind of rejuvenate. How do we find that in, in the midst of for many of us feeling unscheduled, overscheduled or feeling like, you know, there's not enough hours in the day, like how, you know, you have four kids, you have a job. How do you find that time for play and creativity in the, in the midst of also resting and doing everything you have to do in a day? It's hard Monday through Friday. Um, let's be honest. I feel like an Uber driver after school. Oh yeah. Familiar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, my, my, Pierce is 16. He now can drive. He and oh. his, I was like, it's a new day yes. for sure. <laughs> so, um, I might get some more time for play, but in the meantime, right now, I really, um, like I see the weekends as like a sacred space, like a yeah. time that like, we really are just about not doing stuff, no output, just play. Yeah. Um, and taking it seriously. <laughs> it's yeah. not bad that you have to schedule play. You do though. The, the play chapter that I learned that play and control cannot coexist. Mm. And um it took it was a funny lesson, the story is about riding a horse and how like to lope you actually have to let go and feel let the horse lead you in the cadence. And I was so freaking out because I was like, No, if I hold on harder or tighter, I won't get thrown. It's like, no, it's the reverse. Um and so for us on the weekends, I I like to leave a lot of white space in our schedule for the spontaneity. I'm naturally way more spontaneous than my husband. I'd be happy if we scheduled nothing over the weekend and then like called someone at five and be like, okay, potluck by the pool, right? Uh Like, what do you have in your fridge? Um, He likes a little more structure. And so we're trying (laughs) to kind of meet it. Yeah. But for the most part, I'll leave a lot of that weekend open. Now, granted, I know with kids, there's sports and things like that. Um, I just be careful how much, if you have littles, how much you put them in uh, because it really not does agree rock. more. I could it not agree more. Weekend. Yeah, it and, does. And I mean, yeah, unless your kid's going to like, you know, play in college and go pro or something, he can learn some of those lessons, team lessons that don't require your whole weekend. You know, dude, you don't know if your kid's going to go pro and it's ridiculous <laughs> to start out. I mean, I see so many parents starting their kids out in these intense things at like yeah. six and seven years old. Like your kid doesn't know themselves yet. No, <laughs> they don't know what no. they want. And I feel like it's like this cultural pressure. It like, is like Tommy's four. He must be in little league in four it, different yeah. sports. And I'm like, who? Who made this rule? Because yeah. then I get stressed about team snacks and, you know, totally. I'm like, no, like we can't do everything. And what your kid needs more than anything is to be seen and known, yes. connected with and loved. Yeah. You're not going to get these years back. You just I aren't. completely agree. And when <laughs> and my need... kids were little, I thought I had forever. And now they're all in high school. I know. And I'm like, Please slow down. Please come home. 
I want to just look at your face all the time. And they're like, mom, really? I want to go be with my friends. I'm like, okay, then bring them over here. Have yeah. them come over here so you can swim and I'll just get you snacks, whatever. <laughs> totally. I just want you around. It's so true. It's so true. And I think kids need play and creativity so much too. And we are just, our society, we're starting, like, I, I think that some of this collective panic attack is starting with the overscheduling of children. It is. A kid never actually, if a kid has never learned to play, they were basically robbed of their childhood. I totally agree. So, I mean, thankfully, you and I were raised without a screen in our hand. I know. So we had, I mean, good grief. Every summer I was in the community pool every day, basically, oh, yeah. riding the bike around my neighborhood. Uh-huh. Making making stuff up, making up stories yeah. with friends. Sure. I got pretend yeah. married to like every every guy on our block Heck when yeah. I was like seven with like a wedding dress that was a dollar at a garage sale. <laughs> so, I mean, just all the imagination. I see it in Joy because she was in an orphanage until nine nine months ago. Yeah. Um, she had to have quite a vivid ima- imagination. Yeah. There was not a lot of entertainment happening. Uh-huh. And I'm watching her now like, man, she's so creative. Like, uh-huh so imaginative. I don't even put a screen in front of her. I mean, she can watch something in the van because her older brother, Cade, who also has Down syndrome, um, is basically, you know, her partner in crime and getting away with watching something. But uh-huh. at home, we just don't have it. We just don't have screens. Well, you know, it's funny because my um, son, Kembe, lived in an orphanage for three years. And when he came home, you know, I was pretty tight on screen time, but when I put it on, I used it as the, that was like a babysitter. Like, okay, I'm going to put on mm-hmm. a show and then everyone's going to be quiet for an hour. And I mm-hmm. put the show on and he was not accustomed to any screen time and he wouldn't watch. And then I was like, oh, wait, what do I do for this hour? Like, yeah, <laughs> this was my one hour. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> this, this kid doesn't watch free TV. Childcare. Exactly. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, and we're, it's like, I get it though. You know, you, you're, there's one of you and there's how many kids? And there is this sense of going, I need help here. Okay, put a screen in your hand. So we're we're the we're the product too as parents of going back when screens were on the scene, coming on the scene with littles, I we didn't fully understand the repercussions. No. We didn't know that it would create like anxiety or constant ADHD or just yeah. this need for stimulation at all times. Like yeah. we I feel like we were the guinea pigs in we our were. generation of parenting this. And now that we have kids older, we're like, oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. if I could talk to a 20-year-old right now, don't uh-huh. do it. Yeah. I could go and back. I don't think it's don't. In, it's inherently bad, but I just think like it needs to be severely limited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which you know? before it was like, oh, sure. You can have an iPod when you're seven. Do right. it. You know? And now I'm just, you're right. I think, again, there are good things. There are great things through technology. But we now have a little more information to know how to navigate them. We do. We do. And I feel it's funny. I spent probably an hour last night trying to figure out one of my kids got a new Chromebook for school and I'm trying to figure out how to put like restrictions on that Chromebook so they're not like just, you know, sitting Mm -hmm. on it and surfing the web all day. Um, Sure. But it's funny. I was sitting there um, with my boyfriend and I was like, you know what? I feel like this, what I'm doing right now is like the new parenting hurdle. It's like, you have to take this time. Yeah. So that your kid isn't just hog wild on a screen all day, you know? Yeah, you do. But it's, it takes a lot lot of effort to repair um, unparenting Uh than it is to actually just take the time to proactively like preempt some things from happening. 
Yeah. But it's so new. That, it's it's but- it's new and it's this whole like new landscape of how to make sure our kids do not turn into screen addicts. Right. Yeah, you're right. And how they well, have that you. same playing creativity. <laughs> yeah. But it but it's hard. It's really hard. It like I was sitting there thinking like, this is just really a lot of work. <laughs> it is. And partly their frontal lobe isn't developed. They actually haven't learned. They don't even have the maturity or d- developmentally to self-regulate. No, yet. I agree. It's, and yet we're putting devices in their hands that are addictive. Yeah, that we can barely regulate as we adults. We can hardly, and we yeah. weren't even raised on them. So right. it's partly going, oh, man, this is, if we're going to do this, we have to really know what we're up against and be ready for it. And we have to set those boundaries in place up front. So yeah. we did that with our kids and we delayed when they got phones. And yep. my daughter's 14. She's still not on social um, media. And even then, like they have to have A's and B's or then we hold, we, you know, the screens are back at us. They don't yep. get, you know, it's like certain things have to be in place downstairs in the phone charger yep. by 8 p.m. We They're like, 8 p.m.? I was like, <laughs> well, you probably have some last minute homework. You didn't finish. So either way, you're done at 8 p.m. Yeah. Like little things like that. And and then you feel like, like a traffic cop. Like you're like, I, I don't want to manage this. But at the same point, you're helping them see the fruit of good habits it's going to help their GPA. It's going to help their yep. social life. So they're not like over texting people and getting annoying for crying out loud. You yeah. Know? Or just having that like FOMO of social media where they're just seeing what everyone else is doing and then feeling depressed and all the same cycles we get into as adults. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's hard. Well, kudos to you, mama. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, well, before we finish, I do have to say that it has been delightful watching Aww. your adoption journey over the last year on Instagram. I mean, truly, I you've put me in the ugly cry many times this year. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but it's just, it's been really beautiful to watch. Oh, thank you. She's been a joy bomb for our whole family. Yeah. And I was so afraid of it. I was like mid-40s. Well, sure. Bringing a five-year-old home. That's scary. <laughs> Down syndrome, not knowing. You know, we just yeah. never know what the prognosis is for any of our kids. Yep. But just still, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. And yet, oh, it has been so much. I ha- And it's not, I'm not, I'm like not pretending. Like, I feel like it's an exhale for me. Yeah. Um, Having her here. Oh, and yeah. she's just been that for all of us. Like, yeah. we all just laugh more. We take ourselves less seriously. Um. It's been, and it's also helped me realize that my work is fruitful and meaningful and I'm grateful, but it's not, it's not my identity. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to have it for significance. Like she's just reminded me of, of all the things that really matter. Oh, that's lovely. Well, tell people where they can find you online. Sure. It's just my name. It is spelled a little differently. It's Rebecca Lyons with R-E-B-E-K-A-H. L-Y-O-N-S. And that's RebeccaLyons.com or at Rebecca Lyons for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all, all the things. Awesome. And Rhythms of Renewal can be found on Amazon and everywhere books are yep. sold. Yep. Barnes & Noble, you name it. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. You are so fun to talk to. I'm grateful we got to do this. Me too. Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. And make sure to join our uber supportive community that we love on Facebook by searching for Selfie Podcast Community. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. 
special thanks to Shepherd Audio for providing our music. Take care.